let's open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. We're dealing with Palm Sunday, that triumphal entrance, but was it really that much of a triumph? Uh, we're going to see that there's a lot of misconfusion, a lot of misunderstandings about who Jesus is. Matter of fact, at the very end, verse 10, says that all the city was stirred and saying, Who is this? I believe that's going to be the focus of the message today. Let's bow together in prayer. Dear Lord, as we open up your word, as we read this passage of scripture, as we look to see, Lord, what does it mean to us today? Lord, I believe that what we're going to see is that, Lord, just like some 2,000 years ago, Lord, many people are still wondering, who is this? Who is this man named Jesus? Lord, help us to be ready, willing, and able, Lord, to share the world, share with the world around us who he truly is. Lord, help us to be found faithful to your gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Allow me to read this passage, Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. This too, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughters of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The, do- the disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them and he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. The crowds going ahead of them and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he had entered into Jerusalem... All the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. You know, the world has been asking that question for some 2,000 years. They were asking it on that day when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the, on the back of the colt of a donkey. And they're still asking that today. And there's still a lot of misunderstanding about who Jesus is. For many, he was just a good teacher, uh, uh, maybe even a prophet. For others, they don't even believe he even existed, a nobody. But I believe that the majority, if not all here, have already settled who Jesus is to you, that he truly is Savior and Lord of your life. But we have to understand that there's a lot of people that treat Jesus like many of the Jews in Jerusalem treated him that day. They were shouting, Hosanna, which means save us. But they were saying, save us as a nation. See, they were under the rule and reign of Rome. And they no longer had their their freedom to to kind of reign their own lives as they did when they were truly a a God-centered society. And they wanted to once again be away from Roman rule and reign. And so they thought that this Messiah would do that. They thought he would be a military or political leader that would come in and and free them. Kind of like Moses did when the people of Israel were under the bondage of Egypt. 
But that's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus didn't come to save the nation. He came to save people. And that's what we need to understand. See, many people saw him as a miracle worker. As a matter of fact, uh, very, very soon before this, uh, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead just right outside of the city of Jerusalem. So word had traveled that Jesus did miracles. But they also saw him as a prophet, some man who, who traveled the countryside teaching good doctrinal things, how to live life, how to live a righteous life, a good life. He even taught how to surrender your all to God, you know, to love, your, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. But today, Palm Sunday, we, we look one more time at Jesus for the first time, really, opening up truthfully who he really is. If you remember, when he healed many people, he would give them this instruction. Don't tell everybody who did this. In other words, he was not actively trying to get people to, to proclaim he is Messiah, he is, this, he is God the Son. Jesus didn't want people just flocking to him because of some title that he was flaunting. It was not yet time for that. But now it is time. It is now time for him to claim that he is Son of God, Messiah, the Christ. And so we now see, picking up verse 1, that he, he's, he's in need of something. Now, we're going to ask this question in just a second. Does Jesus really need anything? Does Jesus need anything? The man who could calm the seas, the man who spoke creation into being, the man who could take a few small fish and some loaves of bread and feed the multitudes, did he really need anything? Well, we're going to find out. Look at verse uh, verse 5. It says, In order to fulfill the prophet's saying to the sons, to the daughters of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The only reason why Jesus needed anything was to fulfill prophecy. As a matter of fact, if you really examine all the Gospels, you're not going to find that Jesus ever rode on an animal except for this one time. Jesus and his apostles... They traveled the countryside, as far as we know, on foot. Uh, if they did have a beast of burden, it was to carry their belongings, their, their supplies. But we never have any other record of Jesus ever riding an animal. And a lot of people have always commented, would you ever ride something that had never been ridden before? Because the other gospels say that this colt had never been ridden before. So I... I don't see Jesus being a bunking Bronco or anything like that, but you know, if this had been any other person besides Jesus riding, they may have had to find some time to tame the animal first. But we see that Jesus only needed the donkey to fulfill the prophecy. Now we look and we see that Jesus really came in in a humble way. If you go back through history, about the time of King Solomon they began breeding horses for riding, for military use. So for really from that time on, any time a king wanted to present himself to, to the people before him, most of the time he would come riding into the city on a mighty steed. 
And many times the, the, the king would probably claim some type of military power. So sometimes he would come in in, in gleaming armor. If not, he was in all sorts of regalia. And even his horse would have regalia, plumage, and all sorts of adornment. In other words, when people saw somebody claiming to be king, it was an obvious fact. As a matter of fact, many times this king would come in with his army or his soldiers marching in behind him, and all the powerful men of the city uh, flocking around him to show their support of him as king. But Jesus instead rides in on the colt of a donkey. We're not even talking about a full-size donkey. We're talking about a colt of a donkey, which basically didn't hardly raise him up much more than eye level to the crowd. So he's not up on a mighty steed looking down. He's pretty much looking eye to eye with the people that he claims to be king of. And we notice that he is riding on a beast of burden, not a majestic animal. And the reason why is because he's different. He's not the kind of king that they were expecting. He's not in armor. He's not in all this regalia. He's more than likely wearing a simple tunic and maybe an outer coat and a pair of sandals, and that's it. He's a simple man who's traveled the countryside sharing a simple message about God's love. And now we see this humble beginning coming to a humble end. Jesus, born in a stable, now comes riding into Jerusalem on a colt of a donkey. Nothing fancy. But the people, the Jewish people, knew their history. They knew their scriptures. And when Zechariah 9, 9 was quoted, they understood. When they saw it come to life that here he comes. Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. They knew that prophecy was being fulfilled before them. Did they understand it? Did they know who he really was? Did they know the full ramifications of who this man Jesus was? Well, at least at first they thought he is Messiah, even though they didn't maybe truly understand what that meant to them. See, the disciples put their coats on the donkey just to give some separation for Jesus to ride. But the people began laying their coats on the road in front of him. This was a sign of submission to him, to his authority over them. It was almost a picture of, you know, you can walk over the our, over our backs if that's what's necessary. We submit ourselves to your authority over us. Not all laid their coats down. Some went out into the fields and cut down palm branches and laid them down. And we find that, did you know that you and I will do the same thing one day? If you look at Revelations chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, it says, After these things I looked, behold, a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. One day we too will hold palm branches before our Lord Jesus. But the people still struggle with understanding. They still had this mindset that Messiah was going to save us, 
corporately as a nation instead of saving me from my sins. And that's something we, I believe, still have a struggle with. See, a lot of people who claim to be Christians, who claim that Jesus is Savior, they basically treat Jesus as a insurance policy, as an emergency phone call. They wait until they're in dire straits, until things aren't working right, until they're in trouble, and then and only then do they cry out to Jesus, saying, help, save me. The rest of the time, God, I got this. Lord Jesus, don't have to bother with me. I'm okay. I can manage on my own. I'll call on you when I need you. So in other words, instead of letting him be Lord of life, they only wanted him to be Savior. And that's not what the Scriptures say. He needs to be both Savior and Lord. As a matter of fact, when we get back into our study in, in, in Romans, we're going to see that exact fact. Romans 10, 9, and 10. We're going to see that we must claim him as Lord and as Savior. But right now, we see that Jesus is coming in, and the people are praising him. Look at verse 9. The verse 9. The crowds going ahead of him, and those who were following were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. The word Hosanna means save us. Save us, Lord. Save us, Son of David. Blessed are you who comes in the name of the Lord. They really had no doubt that this was Messiah, that this is Son of God come to save them. But there again, their misunderstanding was, he's coming to save us as a nation, to throw off the burden of Rome from us. They were not willing to admit that they were sinners in need of salvation. That's the only reason why we can understand that in five days on Friday, or Thursday night, that they are shouting, crucify him, crucify him. That's unbelievable, that in less than a week's time, they went from shouting, Hosanna, save us, Messiah, son of David, to crucify him. Those words came out of the same mouths. Unbelievable. But that just proves to us that they did not truly understand who Jesus truly is. We see this evident in verses 10 and 11. We know that a multitude uh, traveled in front of him and behind him shouting out Hosanna, that many were laying their cloaks and uh, coats and along the road for him to ride on. Others were cutting palm branches and laying them before him as a way of honor and But then, look at verse 10. When he entered into Jerusalem, all the city was stirred. In other words, he was causing quite a ruckus. A lot of people were wondering and shouting out, Who is this? In other words, not everybody in Jerusalem knew who Jesus was. Now, just historically, we have to understand that Jerusalem was the center of all things of Judaism. And this was Passover week. Passover week was a time of preparation and celebration. Passover was a celebration of what took place in Egypt the night before the people of Israel left. If you remember, the death angel came. And for those who had the blood of the lamb sprinkled on the doorposts and the lintel of their houses, the death angel passed over them. 
And then when all the firstborn of all of Egypt died that night, Pharaoh finally said, get out of here. Leave. And that was their blessing of salvation. And so for generation after generation, century after century, the Jewish people had been celebrating Passover. And they did so by going through a time of, of letting, you know, sweeping the house of all the yeast and preparations because when the people of, of, uh, of Israel left Egypt, the Lord said, don't even let leavening, don't even put leavening in your bread. You don't have time to wait for it to rise because you'll be leaving in a hurry. And so they went through a lot of preparations for Passover. And Passover was one of those big celebration times when anybody who was Jewish were expected to come to Jerusalem, if at all possible. And estimations were that there, in that small city, that there were some two million people there. Can you imagine two million people? You know, that, that's close to the population of Mississippi, all in one little town, one little city. And then all of a sudden this man comes riding in on a colt of a donkey, a little bitty animal, and everybody is rising up and shouting at him. Now, not everybody understands what's going on. Have you ever seen a crowd around somebody, uh, a stir happening? Uh, when I began reading this, I remembered on one of our trips to, to Brazil on a mission trip, we were in an airport one time. And all of a sudden, this entourage comes walking through the airport, and you see these big burly uh, bodyguards all around this person, and, and everybody's just having a fit over them. Of course, we don't speak Portuguese. We don't know what's going on. And it turns out that this was one of their soap opera stars uh, coming through the airport, and everybody was trying to mob them. Well, we didn't know who it was, so we're saying, who is this? Very much like the people in Jerusalem that day. We didn't know. They didn't know. And so they asked that simple question. Who is this? Well, curiosity, but just totally not knowing. And so the ones who answered said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Well, Nazareth is a no-name place. Very few people even knew where it was. It's a very small village. So what was so important about a man coming from Nazareth claiming to be a prophet? Couldn't be anybody special coming from a place like Nazareth. And was it true that he was a prophet? Well, yeah, but that's not all that Jesus is. The Bible shows Jesus as prophet, priest, and king. And we would see that as we continue to study the scriptures. But here's the question. What about today? What about today? Y'all do understand that the confusion still prevails about who this man Jesus is? You'd probably be totally shocked if you were a man on the street with a microphone and you went around asking individuals, Who is Jesus? What kind of responses do you think that you would get? Well, here in the Bible Belt... You would think that most people would say, he's the son of God, he's Savior and Lord of my life. I would hope that you would hear that more often than not. But for many people, 
He's a fictional character. He never existed. That guys got together and wrote about this man that they claimed Jesus, just like any other myth, like the Greek and Roman mythology and all their gods and all their demagogues and all their uh, children of God that populated the earth. He was just a made-up creature. That's what a lot of people think. Well, some at least say he was a real man, but he was just a good teacher. Maybe even considered to be a prophet. You know, we got a lot to learn from a man named Jesus. Just like a lot of people say, well, you can learn a lot from Plato and Aristotle and Confucius and all these others. They had some good things to say, but is that enough? Well, who is Jesus? Well, there's still a lot of confusion. He's either a nobody, a good teacher, maybe a prophet. Let's ask the question to ourselves. If somebody came up to you on the street and said, who is Jesus? What would your answer be? Think about it for just a minute. How would you answer that question? Who is Jesus? I hope that you could share your testimony that He's the one who died for you, died for your sins on Calvary. And he's the one that's the only one worthy to be worshipped. That because he died for your sins, you have accepted him as Savior and Lord of your life. And you have surrendered your all to him. And you worship him. That he is God in the flesh. Would you be prepared to answer that question? Who is Jesus to you? Would you be bold enough to proclaim him as Lord and Savior of your life? Well, he is God the Son. He is the one that took upon himself the guilt and the penalty of my sins and your sins. He is the one who was crucified on a cross, buried, and on the third day rose why did he have to rise from the dead? You know, a lot of people have claimed to be a Messiah figure, and they died, and they were buried, and they're still buried. But Jesus rose from the grave to prove that he had the power to overcome the penalty and the guilt of our sin, which is death. Jesus is Savior and Lord of our lives. That's who this man is. Matter of fact, if we went through a list, I just came up with a fairly short list of who is this. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my strength. He's the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and the Prince of Peace. He's the restorer of my soul. He's the healer and comforter. He's my peace. He's the Word of creation, the Son of God, the gift of eternal life. He's Messiah, Savior. He is Christ the Lord. That's who Jesus is. Now you can come up with even a longer list. I believe that the question that was asked at the end of this passage is a question the world is still asking. And we need to be ready to give an answer. As a matter of fact, we may be the ones who need to ask the question first. And ask others, who is Jesus to you?
And when they tell us that he's a fictional character, he was a good teacher, maybe even a prophet, that's when you say, well, I understand where you may get that idea, but let me tell you who I believe Jesus is. And then you're ready to share your own personal testimony and a gospel presentation. Because this world needs Jesus. This world is not seeking Jesus in and of themselves. They don't believe that they need him. This world is just going on and on and on, falling further and further and further away from God. Who needs Jesus? Who needs some fictional character that somebody wrote about some 2,000 years ago? Or maybe he was a real person, but he's, he's just like all these other philosophers, teaching good things. Yeah, I could probably learn something if I read about Jesus and his life and his teachings. But who wants to do that? I've already figured out how I want to live my life anyway. I don't need some other brand of philosophy to study. Folks, the world around us is dying and going to hell. They need to know who Jesus is. They need Jesus. And guess who is the only people on the face of this earth who can tell them? You and me. A non-believer is not going to turn on the television and search out an old video of Billy Graham preaching a crusade or try to find some TV evangelist or, or, or a Sunday service. They're not going to do that. That's the least thing on their mind to do. We have to be actively involved in establishing relationships with people around us who are not Christians, who don't know who Jesus is. And we don't need just to wait and say, or wait for them to ask, who is Jesus to us? Because they're probably not going to ever ask that question. We need to be the one to ask, who is Jesus to you? Give them an opportunity to share. Don't criticize them because they're just ignorant. They just don't know the truth. And then say, now let me share you what I believe. Let me share with you who Jesus really is. And you can pick up passages of Scripture. Each one of these names that I shared has a passage of Scripture that backs it up. Some people carry around little tracks that have a gospel presentation. If that works for you, great. But it's not very hard to memorize a Roman road passage of Scripture where you can share the, a simple presentation of the gospel. But the greatest, greatest, greatest presentation of the gospel is what he has done in your life. That somewhere in your life, you came to the understanding that you were a sinner. Because of your sins, you deserve to be totally separated from God for all of eternity. But God loved you enough that he, instead of eternal death, he wanted to give you his gift of eternal life. And that gift comes through his son, Jesus, our Lord. Well, how do we get to that point? How do we help a person? Well, there again, a gospel presentation so easy. 
For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is the eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23 God commended this love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8 That if thou shalt believe in thy heart, God raised him from the dead and, and Proclaim that Jesus is Lord. Thou shalt be saved. Romans 10, 10. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 13. How do you call on the name of the Lord? By basically praying what we just shared. And Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I don't deserve anything but total eternal death separation from you. But I believe that you, instead of wanting me to receive what I deserve, eternal separation, death, you desire for me to receive your gift of eternal life. And that comes through only one source, through Jesus Christ, the Lord. And it's all because of your love for me that you gave me this gift, that Jesus died for my sins. Today, I confess with my, my mouth that Jesus is Lord. Today, I believe in my heart that you, God, raised him from the dead. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So, Lord, today, I confess Jesus as Lord. I believe that by that, I receive your salvation. That's who the world needs to know about Jesus. He's everything we need. He's not an emergency clause. He's not a, a life insurance policy. We don't call on him just when we're in trouble. He's supposed to be Lord of all. That means that every morning when we get up, we're to surrender ourselves anew to him. Say, Lord... Take away my sinful, selfish flesh. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Control my thoughts, my desires, my words, my deeds, my entire being, because they're yours to use for your honor, for your glory. That's who Jesus is. Let's bow together in prayer. Dear Lord, we know that the world around us does not know who Jesus is. Lord, it's so evident. Lord, when men in our own community try to tell the young people here about Adam and Eve and Noah, Jonah, stories from the Bible that we think everybody ought to know, and they've never heard them. Lord, we also know that they don't know who Jesus is. Lord, help us to be found faithful in proclaiming Jesus to the world around us. Lord, we can't wait for them to ask us, who is Jesus, so that we can tell them our thoughts. Lord, we need to be active in our community, asking them, who is Jesus to you? And then taking that opportunity to share the truth of the gospel. Help us be found faithful. Lord, Easter is a wonderful time to share the gospel. Lord, if if there's any time, this is it. 
Help us be found faithful. Lord, guide us as we leave this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.